0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is BELIEVE. What's up everybody and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler, and today is Victory Monday. The best always kick off the week with a win in week one, just as Washington did last year to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They did to kick off the 2023 campaign. a 20 to 16 win over the NFC West's Arizona Cardinals, led by Josh Dobbs. There is a lot to get into today. Of course, we're going to start on the offensive side of the football but first, just a few overall thoughts on the game. We have all of the numbers, all of the stats, all of the tape that we need to see from yesterday's game. I went back and watched the game over again. A lot of stuff, again, to get into, not just from a layer of what you saw from the eye, but detailed stuff, especially on defense from a personnel perspective of who Washington deployed in certain situations, which is going to give us a hint as to how they're going to deploy certain athletes in certain situations and certain down-and-distances as they move into next week against the Denver Broncos and the weeks following against the Buffalo Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles. But that is to come down the road. But yesterday's win, although it was not pretty, heading into yesterday's game, I mentioned to you guys in the, in the pregame pod on Thursday. Expecting a win of 20-plus points for the burgundy and gold would have been arrogant and it really would have been just false narrative really pushing into this game because of what we've seen in the past you cannot sit there and expect Washington to win by 20 and as we moved into the second half yesterday really that fourth quarter Washington was trailing in that ball game 16 to 10 trailing in the ball game and at that point in time it was more so who was going to step up. Was it Terry McLaurin, John Dodson? Was it Sam Howell? Was it the defense? That's who stepped up late in that ball game. Offense has to improve. That's where we're going to start today. They have to improve. But overall, when you look at the defense, that front four where it starts every single week for Washington, as he moved into the early portions of that fourth quarter, I put a tweet out yesterday of Deron Payne on first down, John Allen on second down, Montez Sweat's strip of Josh Dobbs on third down, which led to Sam Howell's rushing touchdown in that fourth quarter that ultimately swayed the momentum of that football game. Someone needed to make a play. Your big boys that you paid in the middle, and then Montez Sweat, who in my mind absolutely deserves to be paid right now over Chase Young, who we again saw on the sidelines playing cheerleader yesterday. He deserves to be paid. He was good again yesterday. Was not dominant like we saw a lot during last year. It's week one. Still getting your feet wet. Shaking the rust off from the summer and the offseason a little bit. But number 90 specifically in the edge group that has a lot of questions heading into who the hell is going to be here next year. Montez Sweat showed up. But again, where we're going to start today is on the offensive side of the football. And that is with Sam Howell and the game script that we saw from Eric Bieniemy early in this ballgame. First things first, that showed out to me. I loved the third and one up-back give to Chris Rodriguez early in that ballgame. Again, the first series. Washington, as sloppy as they were on offense yesterday as a whole, they didn't have their, their first three and out did not come until late in that third quarter. So think about that. Uh, Arizona... I mean, as a defense, as a whole, yesterday was not terrible at all. Rookie Keitrell Clark, day three pick from Louisville, played 100% of the snaps, starting opposite of Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel yesterday. 100% of the snaps. Buddha Baker, Marco Wilson, all those guys. 100% of the snaps. For that Arizona defense. A defense that is expected to be one of the worst, if not the worst, in football. But they showed up yesterday on the road. Not easy. But specifically with this offense, I didn't like at times how long Eric Bienvenue wanted Sam Howell to sit in the pocket. It was a lot of five-steps, a lot of seven-step drops to where he was reading multiple progression, progressions, excuse me, across the field. And there wasn't a lot of quick game. There wasn't a lot of screens. There wasn't a lot of designated touches, reverses, counters. I didn't see a lot of that yesterday. Maybe that's something we see more of as we move into the next few weeks. Again, this is still a trial period, guys. This is week one. The first game we've seen of outside, of course, Dallas, but just with Eric Biennemi in town and with Sam and them working hand in hand, this is the first game we've seen of them for a full 60 minutes on the football field in live game action that counts. This was the first time. And there were speed bumps. I wanted to see a little bit more play action, opening it up over the the deeper portions of the field. We really saw one deep shot yesterday that drew a DPI, uh, Marco Wilson on Terry McLaurin. You know, that's going to happen against Terry. Guys just really can't run with him. They try to look back for the ball, and Terry understands how to play through a guy's body. The NFL, they want you to score points. They're going to throw those flags. Maybe it's ticky-tack. I know on our side of things over the years, corners trying to make plays, trying to be physical, say it's soft, say it's not. You know, it's, it's going to go your way. Sometimes it's not. But in that play right there, when, when Sam tried to target hit Terry deep, they drew the DPI. Washington moves down the field. Really, what an incomplete pass almost looks like a completed pass because of the penalty and the spot foul. Again, DPI, NFL wants teams to score points, throwing it up and seeing what happens because usually Terry comes down with it. Just think back to that Indianapolis game last year, going over the top of Stephon Gilmore inside the five and winning that football game for Washington. Throw it up to Terry McLaurin, usually good things happen. So I want to see a little bit more of that stretch the field, but you cannot stretch the field unless you have time. And the sacks yesterday, like Arizona at times was dominant. I mean, there are so many guys along this list of defenders in that front seven for Arizona that had sacks. I mean, Dennis Gardeck, number 45 for the Cardinals, working outside right tackle, Andrew Wiley yesterday, was dominant at times. I don't know what it is. Um, Right now with Andrew Wiley, we saw it specifically in that first Cleveland preseason game against Darius Smith where he got his ass worked up and down the field for the limited time that he was on the field. Dennis Gardeck by no means is going to be a top edge rusher in this league or someone that game offenses game plan against. He is a average to below average edge rusher that has some pop in his game because he has absolutely nothing to lose as a guy that's getting an opportunity to start on this Cardinals defense that is in a full-blown rebuild but Andrew Wiley coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs all it did was make me think about the draft process from this past spring now Washington opted to draft of course Manuel Forbes they talked about turnover margin talked about younger players in the secondary where they had to improve but yesterday when we saw Manuel at the end of the game dropped the interception probably should have had it I would say he has to. He's got to hold on to those footballs as we move into the later portions of the season. He ran the route from Marco, for excuse me, from Michael Wilson on that on that play. Got his, got his head around. It's in his stomach. Catch the football. But he was also thrown off the ball on a quick hitch on third and seven late in that second half by Hollywood Brown. Thrown off the football. Or thrown off his route. Like that, Those are some things that we talked about with Emmanuel coming in from Mississippi State to where he's 165 pounds soaking wet. Is he going to be, be able to stay with guys on the outside when they're physical? Hollywood Brown understands how to create leverage, create separation. He's not the biggest, strongest guy in the world, but on that third and seven and, and Emmanuel's playing off man, he's about five to seven yards off the line in scrimmage. What we've seen a lot from these Jack Del Rio defenses over the years, not inside that contact window, and he was still throwing off the football just thrown off at the top of his stem. So there's just a lot of things quickly, you know, off the top of my head um, but the, again, this, this draft process, we talked a lot about corner. We talked a lot about linebacker last year. We talked a lot about offensive tackle. And seeing that the tackles struggled much more than the corners yesterday. Now, it's in a vacuum, right? It's Arizona. It's Josh Dobbs. The guy only completed 21 passes for 132 yards yesterday. No touchdowns, no picks. He, wasn't, he was just a game manager yesterday trying to create some plays outside the pocket. But from what I saw along that front five yesterday... To where you allow Dennis Gardeck to have two sacks. Carlos Watkins had a sack. Jonathan Ledbetter had a sack. Victor DiMuchegi had a sack. Lucky Foto had a sack. I mean, a lot of sacks, guys. It cannot happen. And you even think back to last night's Sunday night game. A a blowout of Dallas over the Giants. Where it's just ugly from start to finish. And Dallas totaled nearly 10 sacks. Cardinals almost had that too. And... It has to improve if you want to see the performance ceiling of Sam Howell get there. And this offense improve because 20 points is 20 points. But, and you could say, look, the fumble by Sam Howell by the goal line was a fluke. The tipped interception was a fluke. But you can look into every single ball game and say if the ball bounced here or the ball bounced there, that that's how you're going to create your own luck. And at times yesterday, Washington didn't create their own luck. At times, you could say they did. A lot of penalties from the Cardinals yesterday. A lot of penalties. It was disgusting from Arizona at certain times. Nine penalties, 122 yards. And penalties for them yesterday. You have a more disciplined team that maybe gets four or five. How does that change the ball game? Those illegal hits to the head in that, in that first half from Kaiser White. You know, those, those penalties, those are undisciplined plays going out of bounds. I liked Sam Howell getting right up after those plays in that two-minute warning and two-minute drill. And just pumping throws to Curtis Sandler for 32 yards. I was Washington's longest play of the day. Pumping throws of the middle of the field to Logan Thomas and Cole Turner. I, my thoughts on the tight ends have not changed. You guys saw it yesterday. There is no athleticism in that tight ends room. It's five yards and a hitch and fall forward. They're struggling as blockers as well. The issues in the tight ends room, I don't want to hear the crap about catch radius. You have to have guys that are athletes at the tight end position in Eric Bieniemy's offense. You saw the limitations of what Kansas City on Thursday night against Detroit. You saw it there. In this offense, you have to have athletes at the tight end position. We're not seeing it from Antonio Gibson. Fumbled again yesterday, heading into the red zone. Cannot happen. Saw the issues in 2021. Was better last year with one fumble. A fumble in the first half, again, inside the red zone, going into score in that first half. Cannot happen. He got limited work yesterday limited work. Antonio Gibson, three carries, nine yards in the passing game. One target, one catch, 10 yards. He had as many carries as rookie Chris Rodriguez. I don't know what to do with Antonio Gibson right now because he continues to put the ball on the ground. Last year was nice. One fumble. Then comes back this year, first game, and fumbles the football. It cannot happen. You have to take care of the football. Easiest way to find yourself holding a clipboard. But in staying on the offensive side of the ball, because I, I, this offensive line, it still was just a major point yesterday because of how the offense is going to have to progress. We saw Ricky Stromberg play some guard when Sam Cosby went out to look for a concussion. Came right back in, but good to see Ricky in there. Guard versatility, center versatility. It's good to see him in there. Did not see Chris Paul. He was inactive. Ricky Stromberg was able to dress and was there. So maybe he beat out Chris Paul as that swing guard. Good for him. Rookie out of Arkansas. But we talked about the tackles in this draft. We talked about Darnell Wright. We talked about Paris Johnson, who we saw a lot yesterday for Arizona. who thought did an okay job at times. But Darnell Wright, specifically for Chicago yesterday, was really good against that Green Bay front. Really good at times. And Andrew Wiley, watching that front five yesterday, there are issues there. It's been an issue all offseason. A lot of new faces right? Sam Cosme at guard, Wiley at tackle, Gates at center. Sadiq Charles at left guard who was average. I mean, I appreciated him looking for work. I had another tweet on, on my Twitter, if you don't follow me already, underscore Ryan Fowler, looking at Sadiq Charles and him consistently looking for work along the front five and blowing guys off their feet when he doesn't have anybody to, to block, isolated, and helping the tackle out and Charles Leno on that certain play. But the front five has got to get better both in the run game and the passing game. And really, I wanted to see more of the run game. Brian Robinson, 19 carries, 59 yards, 3.1 a pop. A lot of running into the back of guys last yesterday. No vacant alleys, especially in those 1, one 2, 3, 4 holes. Not a lot of holes. Didn't see a lot. We saw him in space a little bit. Really nice pass from Sam Howell, rolling out to his left, flipping his hips. And that 3 o'clock arm angle around a couple defenders to him in the end zone. That was nice. Good seeing Brian in space. Good to see his hands are coming along in in year two. That's nice to see. But this offensive line has got to be better. Next three weeks, guys, Denver, Buffalo, Philly. Denver, Buffalo, Philly. Denver's got some guys in that front seven. Just drafted Drew Sanders out of Arkansas. We know who Buffalo has. You guys know who the hell Philadelphia has. Jalen Carter was an absolute monster yesterday. Now, New England started three rookies along their interior front. But when you look at these next three opponents for Washington, people are going to have to step up. I expect them to be better. I expect the script on offense to change. More quick game, running the football, opening up play action. I still don't know what we're going to do with the tight ends room because you can't just grab a guy right now off the streets and expect him to be a tight end one or tight end two for you. John Bates was not involved in the passing game yesterday. He had a penalty as a blocker. Cole Turner cannot block. Logan Thomas cannot block. And there's static athletes over the middle of the field Those just want to rise over linebackers seven yards down the field. I mean, Logan had four catches on eight targets yesterday, 43 yards. Cole Turner, one catch, 17 yards on two targets. But there's no yak ability. There's no threat at all to stretch the seam consistently. Teams are not having to bring on a smaller corner to counter Washington's ability at the tight end spot. There is no Jordan Reed or Vernon Davis or Fred Davis or even a Chris Cooley type. Armani Rogers, I will say it again, folks, if you're new here, Armani Rogers is the best athlete in Washington's tight ends room. And it was a huge blow when he tore his Achilles this offseason in the non-contact injury. Because this tight ends room has a lot of static skill sets that I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do with them. And I know you've heard a lot from other members of the media that cover this team. They're excited about Cole Turner in practice because he's big and can rise up and he's got a big catch radius. That doesn't do crap for me. I need athletes at the position. I need matchup nightmares to make it easier For guys in Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel on the outside. Toward teams can't bracket number 17 and number one on the perimeter. Toward teams can't send five, six guys and press a tight end line of scrimmage and press on the outside with two high safeties. You have to have matchup nightmares. Not just guys that are sure set of hands in that five to ten yard area. They have to be better. It's the same stuff. Washington did not draft a tight end in this class, a deep tight end class. For me, even looking into next year, who knows where Washington will be in the draft, where they will be, will top five, top 10, top 15, back 20, who knows? But I'm already looking at a guy potentially like Brock Bowers from Georgia in this offense. Tight end is a humongous need in Washington's offensive structure. He may be a top six, seven pick not saying Washington's going to have a top seven pick. I don't want them to have a top seven pick. But a game changer like that, an athlete like that, Washington needs a talent like that in this offense. At least somebody that can be a decent wide tight end and then flex out in space and create some matchups. Get the ball in his hands and make some plays. Not just catch it five yards down the field and lean forward and get an extra three yards. I understand. That's eight yards right there. I understand. But from an offensive structure, and for Sam Howell to get the ball out of his hands quicker, both to the outside and within the hashes, got to have some guys that can create separation at the tight ends room. And I'm just not seeing it right now. Haven't seen it last year. Didn't see it in training camp. Didn't see it in the preseason. And I didn't see it yesterday in game action against the Arizona Cardinals. I haven't seen it. And as we move into this next month of the campaign, who is going to show up? Because again, I don't know what the offensive workload is going to be for Antonio Gibson, who I sat here all off season and said he's going to be flexed out in space and get opportunities. He did yesterday. And Tilly, of course he fumbled the football inside the red zone. Can't do it. Chris Rodriguez had three snaps on offense yesterday. Antonio Gibson had 25 snaps, 35% of the offensive workload. Brian Robinson played in 61% of the offensive snaps to lead all running backs. The only guys on offense to play all 100% snaps, Nick Gates, Sam Howell, Sadiq Charles, Charles Leno, and Andrew Wiley. A couple of the notes from the snap counts, guys that we did not see that I expected to see yesterday, not a single defensive snap for Khalil Hudson in the middle of that defense. We saw a ton of Cody Barton and a ton of Jamin Davis, and Washington wants to rotate those safeties with Derek Forrest, Percy Butler, and Cam Curl. Who deserves to be paid? By the way, I know we're just, it's repeating a lot of stuff you guys saw on social media yesterday and what we've heard the last few years, but Cam Curl absolutely deserves to be paid. But again, no snaps for Cleek Hudson, 24 snaps on special teams. Same with David Mayo, no snaps on defense, 24 snaps on special teams. Not a single defensive snap yesterday for Quan Martin, second round pick out of Illinois. Not a single defensive snap yesterday for Quan Martin. Had 18 defensive snaps. Not a single, single snap on defense as well for guys like KJ Henry or Danny Johnson. Guys that stuck on special teams all day yesterday. Andre Jones, seventh rounder out of Louisiana Lafayette. Four defensive snaps, 24, defensive, 24 snaps on special teams. Got a couple reps on defense. Good for him. Outplaying KJ Henry right now. These snap counts tell me what the, what the team feels about certain guys right? Preseason was rough for Quan Martin. Didn't see him play a snap against Arizona. Probably not going to see him against Denver unless there's certain situations from a personnel perspective that they want to utilize. Denver's got a couple good tight ends. Greg Dulcich is going to be a name we're going to preview this week when we head into Denver, out to Mile High City. It's going to be an interesting game in week two after Denver coming off a loss to the Raiders, a one-point loss, 17-16 in a divisional matchup. They're going to be hungry to play. They opened up at home yesterday and lost. They're sure as hell going to be Powered up and and, and ready to play, right? Against Washington, looking to go 1-1. Can't go 0-2 to start the year in an AFC West. Can't do do it. Especially with expectations with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. But we'll get into that Thursday when I go into an offense, defense, and special teams preview of the now 0-1 Denver Broncos. But sticking on the defensive side of the ball, when I look at the person from a personnel perspective, I liked how unique at times Jack Del Rio was yesterday in his personnel when Arizona would would line up in 11 personnel. So they would have three three receivers on the team. So 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, three receivers. That's usually your base offense in the NFL. But when they went to 12 personnel, so one running back, two tight ends, when it wasn't just Zach Ertz on the field and they brought in Trey McBride, second year man out of Colorado State, who made a couple plays yesterday. They brought Emmanuel Forbes off the field and they brought some more beef and they brought some more athleticism really in that the inside the hashes to limit the seam and also be able to stack and shed in the run game and play inside that low hole and play right near the line of scrimmage. Not that Emmanuel can't. Made a couple of nice plays yesterday, but I liked how they utilized the skill sets and personnel that they do have, right? You look at the safeties room and Percy Butler had a couple of nice plays. Love watching Derek Forrest and Cam Curl fly around. Didn't see a snap from Jeremy Reeves on defense yesterday, but he's... Just lives on special teams, and he was an all-pro, one of the best in football. So we didn't see any snaps from him on defense to come in as another rotational box safety. But when they went into 12 personnel from Arizona's perspective, Washington was consistently taking Emmanuel Forbes off the field and bringing another heavier corner, sliding Benjamin St. Just inside, and bringing a cam curl or butler or Forrest even lower than where they usually are. So I liked seeing that from Jack Del Rio yesterday. And again, using the bodies that you have— even though they didn't use Quan Martin at all yesterday on defense, using the skill sets that she got to counter the offense of Arizona yesterday to where Rondell Moore was their leading receiver, a guy we highlighted in the, pre- in the pregame pod, three catches, 33 yards. But Zach Ertz led the team in targets by far. He had double the amount of targets than anybody else had. Ten targets, six catches, 21 yards. So that's a little over three, three yards a pop per catch. For Zach Ertz, we knew he was going to be featured, right? Josh Dobbs, this front four get the ball out quick again. Ten targets, but six catches, 21 yards for Zach Ertz yesterday. His longest catch was only six yards. So this defense got ball players at all three levels, but guys like Khalil Hudson and Quan Martin that can play multiple levels and play some press man for you, and also limit the edges in the run game or stick their face be a blitzer. Didn't see them at all yesterday but we'll probably see them absolutely moving in to these next few weeks. So I want to go through just a few notes they have here from the first half and into the second half as I'm scrolling here. um, Let's see. uh, Edges of the defense was a little bit of a worry for me. Um, There were some times to where James Conner was able to bounce it outside. Uh, A couple designated touches to Hollywood Brown and to Rondell Moore to where they really escaped to the perimeter. I love how aggressive Washington's defense can be. However... When you're just a bull in a china shop sometimes inside the tackles attacking those A, B, and C gaps, you limit the perimeter. And you don't want your St. Juice and Fuller taking on a corner and then having to defeat your block and then make a play one-on-one against James Conner, who was a bigger body yesterday and wasn't terrible. I mean, 14 carries, 62 yards, about almost about four and a half yards a pop. Not a terrible day for him. Thought they'd run the ball even a little bit more as they moved into that second half when they had the lead. Again, 16-10 as he moved into the later portions of that second half. But Washington just being a little bit more disciplined on the outside, covering those edges. You got athletes to run. Um, Jamin Davis showed up a lot in that first quarter. He looked good. I liked what I saw from Cody Barton. Wasn't a lot of flash plays at all. Um He was, You look from a box score perspective, really wasn't Crazily involved. Jamin Davis was second on the team in tackles with six combined. Cam Curl led the team with 10. So, again, Cam, I can't say enough his ball production, his instincts, his leadership, open field tackling, just a ball player and former day three pick out of Arkansas that has turned into an absolute stud. And I just love watching him roam that third level. And really, when he creeps down the line of scrimmage, seals that edge, press against tight ends, just love watching 31 uh, fly around the football field. Uh, As we move forward into the later portions of the first half, Sam Howell at times, especially at that interception, looked like he was aiming the ball a little bit. Even if you go back and watch him throw the football, almost looked like his wrist. It was just trying to put the ball in perfect spots. And what I mean by that is, of course, he's trying to put the ball in perfect spots. But it was just more so aiming the football and almost like hitching at the end of his throat where he's pulling his wrist back a little bit and not just letting it rip and just spinning the ball out of his hand that we saw really into that two-minute drill and into the portions of that third quarter. He looked like he was aiming it a little bit. Guys were getting around his feet, right? We had the tipped ball, the interception. That was, a, I call it a fluke, whatever. Nice play by Zaven Collins. And then, of course, the fumble as he moved into that later portions of that first half. He just looked a little bit hesitant at times where he was aiming the football. But more confidence, more reps, getting your feet wet, watching film, seeing what they were running from a coverage perspective, what man, zone, what they're doing in certain situations. Teams are now going to have film on Sam Howell as well, where he goes on certain downs. How do they defend Logan Thomas? How do they defend Cole Turner over the middle of the field? Because I'm sure that Eric Bannam is going to want to get those guys more involved because they're his top two tight ends from a receiving perspective. But also got to get Terry involved. Jahan Dotson. Have to be more involved. Terry Terry was fourth on the team in, in receiving yesterday. Two catches. 31 yards on four targets. Not good enough for me. But when you get bracketed by a guy, when you got Marco Wilson and Keitrell Clark over you, and then you got um, Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson over you bracketing you. That's, that's tough. That's tough sledding. They're NFL corners. I know Marco Wilson and Keetra Clark aren't going to move the needle for anybody, but when you bracket the NFL level and you got two guys on you, there weren't a lot of opportunities there for 17 to get the football. Um, Curtis Samuel led the team in receiving five targets, five catches, 54 yards. That long again came late in the second quarter on that 32 yard hookup with Sam Howell. Logan Thomas again was second, four catches, 43 yards. Jahan, seven targets, five catches, 40 yards. So he spread it around a little bit. Washington wasn't afraid to throw it. Sam and from a box score perspective, 19 for 31, 202 yards, touchdown, a pick, and of course had that rushing touchdown as we moved into that second half. But look, they spread it around. You know, look at Curtis, five targets. Jahan had seven targets. Terry had had four targets. So that's 16 targets between our, our the main three guys. I still don't think that's enough. Moving into these next few games, next week, Pat Sertan is on the outside for the Denver Broncos. One of the young, if not the best, young corner in all of football. So Terry and Jahan are going to have another tough week separating on the perimeter. Uh, Want to work to the second half. I mean, Percy Butler's dropped the interception. I talked a little bit about earlier. has got to have that. We talked about turnover margin. Got to take advantage of that. Um, the miscommunication, a little bit up front. I mean, we saw a lot of them yesterday, but... Specifically, uh, in that second half, that three-man slide where Charles Leno is getting out to that wide nine rusher, and Sadiq Charles having to—it's a three-man slide, guys. So three-man slide, you got the center, left guard, left tackle. Charles Leno sliding out to the wide nine. The left guard is having to slide out. Nick Gates didn't pick up the guy that was coming through the A-gap to Sadiq Charles' right shoulder. Wasn't able to pick him up. That's not Sadiq Charles' fault on that play. It looks like it's Sadiq Charles' fault, but it's a three-man slide to the left side of the protection— not sure if there's a miscommunication from Sam's perspective or Nick Gates to the left side of the line of scrimmage, but that's just a small little thing that you see on film that hopefully they will get improved upon when they see that defensive front look again. Um, when teams want to mug up like that in the line of scrimmage, to where moving these next few games that that stuff is seamless and it'll be picked up on the left side of the line of scrimmage. Um, late in that fourth quarter, with just under five minutes left, I was shocked of how conservative Eric Bieniemy was. I mean, three straight run plays when you're up 20-16. to uh, Really, in that, with that, at that time, 2.23 left on the clock. Wanted to see Washington really ice the game there. I don't know if it was just confidence in the defense and really just saying, Arizona, look, we don't trust you as an offense and we're not scared of you at all. We don't trust you to go down and score. Um, of course, being up four in that situation just above the two-minute warning. But I want to see some more aggressiveness down the line when Washington is in that situation again. Running on all three plays right up the gut to where there was really no space at all much yesterday. Running up, again, those one, two, three, four holes up with with Nick Gates, Cosme, and Sadiq Charles. In that interior, there just wasn't much space or much displacement at all in vacant alleys for Brian Robinson and Chris Rodriguez really to, to, to take advantage of. So more aggressiveness in those situations Against better teams, I would like to see Sam Howell get the ball in his hands as a runner and as a thrower, the options to do that. You got a lot of guys on the outside that can create those that separation in those short areas. So just a little bit more unique, a little bit more creative in those scenarios when we see that again, because I'm sure we will see that again when a lot of these games coming up the next month, two months, when we're going to see who really this Burgundy and Gold team is, tough situations can be tough games right? A play here or play there can turn the tide of a ball game. There were some yesterday that turned the tide of the ball game. We're going to have those coming up against tough teams again, Denver, Buffalo, and Philly, the next three games for Washington. Um, Later in that game, two-minute warning, too many men penalty on the field from Deron Payne getting off the field, not hating on Deron Payne, but why are we subbing in a two-minute drill? Um, And why are we subbing Deron Payne? Uh, There were times yesterday where he's off on first and second downs coming in as that almost that DPR from the interior. Keep 94 on the damn field if you're Jack Del Rio. Um, I get there's a good rotation. We saw some John Ridgeway, Abdullah Anderson made some plays yesterday, but there's no reason to substitute and get a stupid penalty like that uh, from a rotation perspective. Just keep 94 on the field. I'm sure he's plenty conditioned enough to stay on the field for at least three or four plays in that two minute warning when, when Arizona was trying to drive down the field. No reason to take that dumb penalty. And then lastly, literally guys, my last note of the football game from yesterday, that last third down play that Washington ran from an offensive perspective before they kicked it to Greg Dortch to end the football game, tackled by De'Ami Brown and Christian Holmes, really good job to get down there. Chris Rodriguez took that last carry on third down. It was not Brian Robinson and was not Antonio Gibson. Not even more so towards Brian Robinson, but from Antonio's perspective. They gave it to a day three rookie that they have not seen in live NFL action before on a third down, crucial third down to where anything can happen. I get it. You are just handing it up the middle, ask him to just get down and waste some clock. But in that scenario, when you have Antonio Gibson, who's had multiple years in the league, multiple years of success to hand the ball off to a rookie in Chris Rodriguez on that third down situation, told me a lot about something to note. As we move forward into these next few games about how this team feels about Antonio Gibson, because right now as a running back, I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, he was not a running back in college. We've seen him have success in the NFL at the running back spot, but he was a receiver in college at Memphis and Washington right now needs some bodies in that flex spot to create some separation with their hands. Um, And I want to see him more in space. I do. I don't know what to do, what the future is with him. I don't think Eric Biennemi has any patience for guys who are going to turn the ball over in the run game. I mentioned at the top of this pod, the easiest way to find yourself holding a clipboard and without a job, really, is by turning the ball over if you're a running back and a quarterback or whatever position you want to talk about. You cannot turn the ball over. And for that to happen yesterday in the first game of Eric bien regime to where he's the first time of seeing Antonio tote the rock, fumble the ball inside the red zone, that's not going to work for him. I promise you that. may have worked for Scott Turner and continue to give him opportunities, But he drafted Chris Rodriguez for a reason, and him coming on that third down and carrying the load there at the end of the game, simple carry, I get it, but that told me a lot about the potential future of Antonio Gibson in this offense, specifically as a ball carrier. So that is going to do it for today's episode. Always appreciate your reviews, your likes, and your shares, and subscribes. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify. I mentioned at the top, if you don't follow me already on Twitter, I'm at underscore Ryan Fowler. I'll have an episode out for you guys on Thursday, previewing the 0-1 Denver Broncos, of course, led by quarterback Russell Wilson and new head coach Sean Payton, a roster that is much, much, much better than the Arizona Cardinals from a 10,000-foot view. We are going to dive into their offense, their defense, what to expect from certain guys. We're going to look back to their game against the Raiders, who stood out, who didn't, what personnel groupings they targeted on offense and defense, things that they're trying to do over the middle of the field that I took note of. Against the Las Vegas Raiders at a week within the hashes, a positional group that we've talked about with Washington that's going to be tested this entire year with guys like Jamin Davis that need to show up and Cody Barton in his first year, really starting in the NFL. So a lot of stuff to get into. We will see if Jerry Judy is healthy for the Denver Broncos next week, which will obviously improve their receiving core. We will get into all of that. So as always, appreciate you guys tuning in. Want to know? Burgundy and gold, Washington Commanders. It wasn't pretty, but a win is a win. It's not easy to win in the NFL. Always understand that. And with the Commanders, look, over the years, this is all we've come to expect. That's what history has shown itself, to never just expect the unexpected, but a 20-16 to win at home. FedEx field was rocking yesterday. It was great to see that place just buzzing like I haven't seen it in a long, long time. And a win is a win. And 1-0 is 1-0. And Washington currently sits... At the top of the NFC East, tied with the Eagles, who beat the Patriots yesterday. And of course, Dallas, who ran roughshod over the New York Giants yesterday. Uh, So again, Commanders 1-0, Dallas 1-0, Eagles 1-0, and the Giants right now at 0-1, who will go to face Arizona next week out in the desert. So again, always appreciate you guys' time. I will talk to you on Thursday to preview the Denver Broncos in Week 2. Happy Victory Monday. Washington Commanders 1-0. Again, talk to you on Thursday. Always appreciate your time. I am Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.